Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan. And I'm Kevin Henry. Welcome to Chew On This. We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew on. If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us. And now let's give you something to chew on. We are back with another episode of Chew On This. Kayvon, what's up? You know, it's another beautiful day, and, and I'm already having fun with you even before we started the show, so life's pretty good, actually. feel like this is my birthday because I don't know what story you're bringing, so this is a big surprise. I feel like this is my birthday, so Kevin, what, what on earth are you going to give me to chew on? You know, this is another episode. Last time that we got together, I teased you, and you didn't know about the supermodel who had had the, the, the mouth injury, so... You know, and so you don't know what's coming this time. I'm just going to tell you, I did not pick another supermodel. Oh, so I'm sorry. I know you're disappointed about that. I'm more sad for you than anybody else well, because I know that's what you really enjoy doing is going through well, Supermodel Daily Digest to I, find. I, yes, absolutely. You know, I'm a big subscriber. You know, I, I Googled supermodels who have hurt themselves lately and no, no mouth injuries. So I decided to go a different direction. Okay. All right. I this is going to be so opposite. Now I feel like I haven't set this up at all. But uh, let's go to South Carolina, as you well know, Teresa Duncan, the Palmetto State, mm, beautiful state. Actually, well, I love. I am a big South Carolina fan. Actually, so uh, this is actually something that I really am interested to hear your thoughts on this because here's the headline: South Carolina woman says dentist's office turned away her son with autism because of a meltdown. Oh. Yes. Uh-oh. So this is out of Florence, South Carolina, uh, where a, and I'll just read for a moment here, a Florence woman in a local dental, local dental office are at odds as she claimed on Facebook that her two-year-old son who has autism was turned away from a recent appointment because he had a really bad meltdown, using quotes there, while waiting to be examined. And of course, we'll link to the story. But as I read through this, it was, there were two things that were very apparent to me. Uh, number one, this was a two-year-old child being brought into a dental practice, uh, Palmetto Pediatric Dentistry in Florence. So it is a pediatric practice. Okay. As I read through this, what I'm gathering from the story, it doesn't sound like that there was an autism awareness on the part of the practice. Oh, Okay. Yes. So, so this is something very interesting uh, to me. So uh, they arrived 30 minutes ahead of time. The appointment was scheduled for 8.30. They get there at 8 o'clock. Uh, the practice asks them to fill out paperwork as they walk in. Mm-hmm. And because of the delay in filling out the paperwork, apparently something triggered the, the, the young man, the, the, the boy, mm-hmm. uh, in autism uh, uh, issue. And uh, now, this is a quote from the uh, mom, I believe. Yes. This is a quote from the mom. He got he was crying, got overstimulated, and was throwing things in the air. He just went into a really bad meltdown, and people were staring, so I had to keep stopping with the paperwork. Mm-hmm. So as we go along, this is going on. Obviously, there are other patients in the waiting room there, and they sat there for 20 to 30 minutes after all of this, and then according to her, they were told that the system was down, and so they couldn't see him today. Oh. Yeah. Well, 
again, we're only hearing her side of the story. Scroll <laughs> through here. Please know that there's nothing in here. Uh, the dental office responded with a post of its own on Facebook, but also said, and this is going to be the interesting part, they were going to take legal action about this claim. And the post said the practice has surveillance video to prove that her claims were blatant and malicious untruths. Interesting. Oh. Oh, anyway, this is going to be something very interesting to read. But again, what I took from it, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I don't believe there was the note that this child had autism coming in. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound like the people in the practice were really prepared for an autistic child to have a meltdown, using quotes there. You know, so I'm I'm wondering, you know, should the practice have been better prepared? Should the parent have obviously told the practice about this? Mm -hmm. And practice have something in place where the paperwork is done before the patient ever walks through the door? Well, that's what I'm wondering, because as a pediatric practice, um, and I'm going to I actually am leaning more towards the dental side on this story. Uh, number one, no. we haven't heard their side of it other than the legal action and you don't really threaten legal action unless you know you can do it and if they have surveillance that's great right what i'm thinking is that as a pediatric practice they have unless they just opened yesterday which probably is not um then you have, i'm sorry it doesn't sound like that okay yeah. so they have dealt with people before they have dealt with parents before i have no doubt that they send paperwork ahead of time because that's pretty much what right? Or they tell you to come in a little bit early. Um, maybe the parent didn't do the paperwork and any front office person will tell you that we will send the paperwork and it's really just, you know, it's 50-50 if we're going to do it, right? I mean, we ask them to, and even if we get notification that it's not done the day before, there's really not much we can do about it other than, hey, can you please do this, right? So maybe that was a problem. And as a parent of an autistic, I'm not a parent of an autistic child, but the parent having an autistic child would, I would think, because I even do this and my child wasn't autistic, I would want to fill that out ahead of time so I don't have to do it there, especially with a exactly. two-year-old, right? So I think that's weird that she didn't fill that out ahead of time. Maybe it's her first time taking her, the patient to the doctor. Maybe it's her first time going to a doctor. Who knows? I don't know. Um, yeah. Or dentist, I should say. But that's kind of weird that she... Didn't let the pay, that didn't let the office know. First of all, I I have even when I was at front full time receptionist, we always were told by parents, okay, my child can be a little bit difficult, or my child can be is autistic. My child, we've had patients that will say, you know, my child, we had a blind patient, and say we're like, well, you know, my 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 child is blind, and you you know, please take that into account. And quite frankly, we didn't do much different other than make sure that we led them down and that we were more descriptive, but. You know, so parents usually take the initiative to say, hey, my kids, so-and-so. So that's kind of weird. And the other thing is the pediatric practices in most states, and honestly, if they're a member of the AAPD, the American Association or Academy of Pediatric Dentistry, there's lots of courses that they offer. In some states even mandate autism. Uh, we know detecting sexual abuse. There's also, yep. I mean, there's a, there's a slew of courses that these offices take that are pediatric minded. So I I want to say I'm 75% on the side of the dentist's office without knowing their side, because just from my point of view, there's a lot of stop gaps that are in place. Now, perhaps the person at the office is new, 
perhaps that's an issue. They're new. They didn't know what to send. Maybe it was completely botched. Um, but if they're coming out and saying we've got surveillance, I gotta kind of wonder about that. Well, and, and the thing that stood out to me was obviously, you know, before we do this show, I always go through and I Google, you know, latest dental news to kind of see what's going on out there and, and to find something that's hopefully of interest to you and the, the listeners. Whenever I looked and I read through this article, and again, we'll link to it, it, it was that it sounds like the TV station saw the Facebook post and so wanted to follow up with the lady on the Facebook post. <laughs> and so we talk about the power of social media. And we yeah. talk about how one bad experience can kind of be this ripple effect. And now all of a sudden you have the local TV station talking about what might have happened inside this practice. Mm -hmm. it's, I think that, you know, that may be where if the dental practice is really considering legal action, because they see how that this Facebook post could be a negative effect for a pediatric practice in the city. So I, I thought that that was very interesting to see that they're being very proactive to make sure that people understand Either, you know, again, according to them, this didn't happen because we have the surveillance. And so I think that they're trying to make sure that their reputation as a business stays intact. Oh, for sure. Because if this person's straight out lying, there's a definite case on that. So I'm thinking they have the tape. They probably have to get a HIPAA release from the other patients in the waiting room or the other people in the waiting room. And if I were this office and they have seen a significant drop in income, if I were this office, I would release that to the to the news as soon as I get the clearance to do so. Now, I'm not a lawyer. Maybe their lawyers like, that's crazy talk. Don't do that. But, you know, as an office manager who's very indignant about losing money from people who are giving bad, allegedly giving bad information, I would probably want to release that. I'm mm -hmm. guessing that the office had to do some sort of email messaging to their existing patients of like, I'm sure you've seen the news, rest assured. I hope we take your experience into consideration in our office and know that that's not how we operate. I'm hoping. Okay. Well, so should a practice have something like that already in place? Should you have a doom scenario in place? For sure. In fact, that's in my nobody told me that management course. One of the topics that we talk about is always a rotating slew of topics, but one of the topics is doing a proactive review, kind of like a, a defense, right? A proactive review defense meaning what do we do in order to avoid this and then yeah. what's the reactive part like what is in place to do that do we do we need to notify our a malpractice attorney some malpractice attorneys want to know about this because they want to give you guidance right and then what are the rules in your office as far as what people can say on the phone because it's not just the news that's calling the office the other other moms are calling and saying we heard this and is that true and what can the front office, what can the admin, what can the manager say that won't be used against them? Because that it's gone down that road. It, it has. It, and the unfortunate thing is that in, in our world of social media, there's so much gotcha out there. You know, you wait for somebody to say the wrong thing or to put out the wrong messaging or whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden it's blown up as well. <laughs> so I think having that very lockstep, this is what we do. This is what we say. I think that that's such an important thing for dental practices to have. Because you never know when something like this is going to blow up on you. And yeah. you, and if you're not prepared for it, then you're really behind the eight ball trying to get ahead of the conversation. I'm interested, too, about the waiting time. So in a pediatric practice, having parents and kids wait is like, that's like a huge, like, we need to avoid this at all costs. <laughs> sure. It's problematic for other 
because kids get into trouble. I mean, I've I've heard pediatric managers that are like kids start like fighting in the waiting room over toys and stuff like that's like wild. So you have to make sure, especially with a child that has special needs like that, that you don't have them wait for a long time. You and I travel a lot. You know that when you have a small child, sometimes being boarded first is not the best thing because first. you're waiting for a long time with a baby, you know, and that's why you see some people come in at the very last minute with their kid because let the kid run around outside and what, you know, wear themselves out. Absolutely. Having a bored child is not good. I mean, in a public setting at home, you know, fine. They'll figure out stuff to do. They'll explore, but you don't want them exploring in a dental office. And, and, and again, if your child is getting upset and there's other children in the area that ramps up that anxiety level, I think for everybody involved. Sure. sure. You know, so, so I agree with you. If they got there 30 minutes early because they had to fill out paperwork, then there had to be some kind of thought process of I've got 30 minutes I have to entertain or distract or whatever it might be the child before our set appointment. Yeah. And we don't know the levels that the, I mean, there's mildly autistic, severely autistic, as you know, you don't know what that, this is the first time you're meeting that child. So if your protocol is have everybody come in 30 minutes earlier, if you knew that child was autistic, you probably would dial that back a little bit and really make the effort to have the paperwork signed ahead of time. And who's to say that the office didn't do that? Oh, I, I agree. And if I'm a parent, and, and I, you know, again, I don't have an autistic child, so so I, I don't know what goes into that. But I also know that if there's anything that would set off my child, I'm going to do everything I can as a parent to prevent that from happening. And that includes wanting that paperwork early. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather fill it out in the comfort of my home so that my child's in a comfortable spot rather than having to figure out what to do for 30 minutes while I also need to focus on, you know, insurance numbers and everything else that I've got to fill out on that. In my experience working with pediatric practices when I was full-time consulting, they are the most concerned with the waiting room and experience of the patient and the parent more than any other, even general dentists. They are so concerned with that experience. And so that's why I said, unless this office just newly opened, it hasn't had that much trouble. I can't imagine they haven't seen this type of scenario before. Yeah. And, and it sounds like they had something in place, like we've talked about, like you suggest. So I, I think that that's a, a, a good lesson. But it's also something, you know, we talk about how medical emergencies can happen at any time in the practice. You need to be pre- prepared for that. I think the same thing holds true with any kind of uh, bad PR, you know, any, any kind of negative experience that you need to get ahead of. Uh, I think that it's important to be prepared for that as well. You know, I will say that when it comes to the fact that they went legal, I know that there's, um, I've talked to quite a few managers who there's a service, I don't remember the name of it, but I'm sure your state association, if they have a contract with one, will tell you, but there's a couple offices that will contract with a lawyer and there's like a package of five letters that they'll send out. So it's not like you have them on retain or anything like that. Um, and it could be used for, you know, sending in recoupment, like you're kind of going against insurance and all that, but even a social media template where you're threatening this. So I'm impressed that the office went legal quickly. And I got to say, I wish we did that more often in dentistry because the reviews are a lot of times, just saying, a lot of times they're a patient wanting something free or they didn't expect it to be as expensive as they, a lot of times offices do have bad customer service. So maybe it's deserved, but there are times when you read a review and you can tell this person's just 
angry about money and all that. And so I, I'm glad the office went legal quickly. And I kind of think that with social media, if, if we had gone more quickly to those types of extremes, maybe we wouldn't have all these like blackmail reviews, which is what they are. They are. Agreed. No, it's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to call up a lawyer. I mean, that's what they're there for. And it's not as expensive as you guys think it is. Jeez. I mean, think about the potential revenue that this office is losing. I mean, paying $500 or, you know, four or 500, $600, $700, how much revenue are you losing by this bad review being out there? And, and if you have something substantial, concrete to, to refute it, absolutely. Don't be afraid to take that ground. I think, you know, don't be afraid to uh, stand up for yourself and say, no, actually we were in the right and here's the proof. Excellent. Yeah. And the whole thing of recording your waiting area, I am 100% in agreement with that. Not just for this reason, but we've got, you know, you used to say you needed this in a high crime area. Well, guess what? Crime hits the suburbs, right? You have patients who come in and threaten you all the time. I mean, I it's not super common, but you think about all these like that, that case in Tyler, Texas, where the, the doctors were, you know, killed. Yep. You know, the surveillance is key for that type of thing. So having surveillance on your waiting room, why not? You know, and if you have a big sign that says, we've got a camera going, it's that maybe not have even, this review may not have even happened. And, you know, and, and I remember, uh, or I've talked to, I should say, uh, I've heard from several dental assistants who have either had restraining orders against somebody or have had that uh, domestic incident where they need that kind of protection. And so I think it's important for the practice to obviously know about that. Hmm. But then if there's something that they can do to not only protect that individual, but also their reputation, their workplace, the other people in the workplace as well, uh, I think that that's a really important thing. And a camera could be a, a real big dissuasion for that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you don't, you know, you don't want to have to install the camera after something happens. And then you're like, man, I should have had this up. Just it's not as expensive. And a lot of times your business, I've been told that your business insurance actually could be reduced if you've got surveillance. Um, but you got to check on your premium. Don't, you know, don't leave me a bad review because I'm giving bad advice. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, if you haven't reviewed this podcast, given us some five stars, then maybe you should. <laughs> if we do you laugh. Let's do it. So so that's what I've learned in the great state of South Carolina. You know, you didn't tell me what you were going to talk about today. Well, so I'm uh, just very relieved that this your story, once I heard South Carolina, I was like, oh, he's going to talk about alligators because people don't realize oh. there's South Carolina's got a lot of alligators. And well, I was thinking maybe the kid had a hissy fit because he saw an alligator and but that didn't happen. So I'll, I'll see if I can find an alligator story for next episode. We'll see. Please don't. So. And for those who are wondering why she's talking about alligators, they're like my number one biggest fear ever. Like I'm terrified of them. So, which is very strange with Norman and I wanting to move to Florida at some point. So we're trying to figure that out. Where is the scotch of irony in there? Let's be honest. I, I need is. to be in a condo at a very high floor. Because I mean, <laughs> if an alligator can use an elevator, then I'm out Florida. So. Well, I, I have been looking up alligatorparachutes.com, you know, to send you a little welcome. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We're done, Kevin. It's over. <laughs> End the podcast. So um, my story is certainly not as entertaining as that or is insightful as that. Um, mine is actually quite boring. So uh, do me a favor. If you listen this long, um, just do some pity listening for the next couple minutes. 
So, so we the book so often, right there. Just some pity listening. That's all I'm looking. Thing, right? Like, and if you if you if you're related to us, I know you're doing that already. But uh, <laughs> come be part of the family for this segment. So the ADA has announced, and I did go over this in my latest uh, webinar with Vine, which was just a little bit ago, and I'll link that in case you want to know. It's the mid-year check-in. The ADA has announced that in 2024, January 1st, uh, we will be using a brand new claim form, the 2024 claim form. The last claim form was updated in 2019, and the one before that was 2012, and Kevin, I know this will shock you, but there are people that are still using the 2012, and it's been a struggle to get them to use the 2019. What? So guess what? Now you can just leapfrog 2019 and go straight to 2024 uh, because the ADA has decided to add some fields that may or may not be helpful, but I I recognize and applaud the intent behind it. Uh, so we okay. are getting a couple fields that uh, we'll talk about payer IDs now will be listed on the claim form. And for my assistants out there, I know it's brutal. But the other thing that they're adding is the locum tenants. And Kevin, are you aware what a locum tenants is? I believe I am, but tell me more. Oh, I will just go ahead and say it. If you have a doctor who has to take a medical leave of pregnancy, perhaps, or perhaps they had an accident and they can't work. So you can bring in what's called a locum tenants doctor, which means they're not, they're not an employee employee of the practice. They're filling in. There's a contract that is established, of course. But uh, this comes into play when you have uh, PPO contracts uh, and the doctor that comes in to do the work is not necessarily credentialed through that network. So it's like, oh, no, what happens? Well, most PPO contracts allow you to have a locum tenens doctor come in and nothing really changes, but you need to notify them. And it's not an in perpetuity thing. So if you purchase a practice and you're like, oh, I'll just tell it it's locum tenens. No, you can't do that. Um, there are expiration dates and each contract will, each carrier will tell you what their rules are with that. But previously we would have to put it into, you know, box 35, the remarks code that this is a locum tenens doctor. Because keep in mind, Kevin, the claim form is a legal document and you have to be honest about who's doing the work. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. So the ADA changed it to say um, locum tenants. Well, that's great. And now there's a space for the locum tenants doctor to put their NPI number in. So this is all good stuff. However, let me go a little bit nerdy. The electronic data interchange side of the claim form means that all these fields are just zeros and ones, right? So when we print our claim form and send it to the clearinghouse or when we send it electronically, it gets converted into a claim format that's digital. It's an accepted format used by all of the carriers, by all of the practice management systems. What the ADA did by adding these specific fields is that those fields actually don't show up on the formatted claim form that the clearinghouses and the carriers use. So until they change their electronic data format, which is not an easy fix, it's, I don't know if it's going to be done by January 1st. Um, all this information you put in these fields may or may not be read by the carrier. So advice to you all, unless everybody sprints and actually does get this fixed, uh, my advice to you all is to be prepared to still put things in box 35, which is your other remarks code, like locum tenens um, for payer ID. I don't think that's important right now. It's a nice to have. It's not a must have. And oh, the one other uh, field, and this is where clinical can pay attention again. Um, is scaling and root planing. Uh, there is a box now for the last date of scaling and root planing. 
And Kevin, yep. because I know you love insurance so much, I know that this immediately triggered you uh, so that you would be so happy about this. And let me explain to everybody why you're happy. If, if people could just see the party hat I've just put on my head, it'd be fantastic, yes. So the reason why Kevin is celebrating is that many plans, uh, when you bill for periodontal maintenance, many plans want to know when the last date of your scaling and reclaiming was. And so that's something that we would have to put into the other remarks code box. And now with this field, uh, we can just put in the last date of service. So right now it's probably manual once it goes live, because I don't think the practice management softwares are set up to do that yet. I have to say this is this form is pretty much a surprise to many of the players that it's going to affect. But once it gets adapted, that's pretty cool that we don't have to go in and make those adjustments. So yeah, I mean, good intentions. I, I understand the the effort behind it all, but I think the carriers and the practice management systems trying to run catch up on it. I think this isn't going to be as it's not going to be amazing until it's fully need to say so kevin stop stop celebrating and uh tell me what you think about all this stuff so my question is and and this may be a little off the wall but you know i have i've become such an ai geek uh in the last few will this claim code or will this new claim form i should say will this be eventually better for ai or will it be easier for ai to kind of take all the information here as we really move into ai becoming a bigger and bigger part of dentistry behind the scenes yeah, no, that's that is actually a very, very good question. So there's a, a lot of conversation out there because a lot of dental offices are very angry that AI is being used in the claims process. And I, I you know, I don't like to go into the groups and do a lot of talking because it can be very aggravating, uh, Kevin. But I will just say this and I probably should do a podcast episode about it for nobody told me that the claims the clearinghouses have all been using AI for a while. So yeah. You know, it's not like they just started denying all claims because of AI. Um, most clearinghouses have been using AI anyways to detect, like when something is detected, like the date of birth is missing or a, a tube number, that's that's all AI. All right. So it's yeah. been in use for a long time. So can the clearinghouse then program the reader, the claim form reader to pick out these new claim fields and dump them into box 35 for you. I think that's the intent. I think that's probably where it's going to have to go. The practice management companies are going to have to change. Like, for example, when I enter in scaling and replaning D4341 and it's in my ledger and it has a data service, now Dentrix or Eaglesoft is going to have to pull that data service and put it on the claim form or else I have to do that manually. And right now they don't have that. They don't have that. So uh. it's not a matter of pull all the 4,000 codes and put it in there because we, we can't put in last data service for bone graphs. We have to put in last data service for the actual scaling and root plan. So that's that's going to be the specificity that the practice management systems have to pull. So right now it's, it's going to be a lot of manual. My fear is that because some of these fields in the beginning in January, because these fields won't be ready. My fear is that the AI, if it isn't told correctly, will just reject claims. And just yep. these aren't valid. And then you're like, but these new forms, these new claim forms. And so I wonder, I hope clearinghouses won't be like, well, just don't use those forms right now. Or just use 2019 claim form until we get this set. Now the ADA says that starting 2024, that is the claim form to use. I probably will be advising people to continue to use 2019 until all the kinks get worked out. Okay. All right. Yeah. I know, right? Like, this is so problematic. 
It, it is, you know, because you, you're expected to use the new form, but it's like, oh, wait, we're not ready for that just yet. So I, I sense that there's the frustration there. And then whenever you're told you can't use something, when do you actually get the trust that, oh, now it's okay. okay. Trust me. You know, it'll be fine now. You know, yeah. people actually switch. Yeah. And I would, so is the truth from your practice management software, like if they say, okay, you're ready to go, you have to use this. I don't think so. To me, the proof that the truth is, is the clearinghouse able to handle it because they're the ones who are going to communicate it to the carrier. So I would wait to hear from your clearinghouse on whether or not it's good to go. Okay. So my advice, and honestly, I think I'm probably talking about this a little bit more. Don't you love it, Kevin? Like I get topics that I need to talk about odd ad nauseum and i don't even pick these topics they just come at me that i mean you're a magnet is what you are Teresa for, for unpopular topics yes i am <laughs> yes i am that is what i'm known for the most unpopular speaker that will entertain you that's what it is i about supermodels and you get claimed this is how we roll that's our relationship in a nutshell <laughs> oh my goodness so <laughs> yeah we don't have any any um butt touching in this conversation we don't have any turkey teeth we don't have anything like that so if you're a new listener just go back through our catalog because they are way more entertaining <laughs> there are definitely some things happening and i also want to apologize to all our listeners that we didn't do anything international this time we you know usually we, we skip across the pond at some point this time not so much yeah actually we stayed in the states because that's right america america, america. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is fitting. We are going to go ahead and wrap up on that note, that celebratory note there. Uh, so, Kayvon, uh, we will be back after, I guess, the holiday, right? We're going to go into the 4th of July patriotic holiday, and then it'll be passed by the time you listen to this. But just know, we will be eating burgers and hot dogs. How about you? We will be celebrating uh, with plenty of fireworks uh, with the, the Colorado Rockies, uh, watching the Summit Coors Field, and uh, yeah, eating some high-calorie foods. Cannot wait. Fantastic. I love it. So happy birthday, America, and we will be back with another episode soon. And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew on This. We hope you laughed and learned a little. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned, and don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics. We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then.